Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Everybody, welcome to the Roto World Football Podcast. I am your host, Raymond Summerlin, and I am joined, as I am every Thursday, by Nick Minzio to talk about the best starts and the most notable sits for week three of the fantasy football season. I will also be joined by Rich Rebar later on in the show to talk about the most interesting data points from his weekly worksheet column. Before we get to all of that, however, I would like to mention the best way you can help out the podcast. Uh, whether you find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or some other service, rating and reviewing helps us in the rankings and helps others find the show. So review early and review often. All right, with that out of the way, let's get to the action. What's going on, Nick? What's up, Ray? Good to be back for another week. So hopefully, hopefully this one will go a little bit better than it did last week for us. For me, at least. Yeah, last week, Rashad Jennings, he did... Yeah, he did both of us pretty dirty in that in that game. Yeah, that hurt bad. That whole game hurt bad. I think it hurt everyone in DFS particularly. So I don't. Know, I just got a lot of stuff wrong. McCown. McCown was doing well for me though. McCown was through two early touchdowns, and then he just kind of did McCown stuff and got hurt pretty pretty quickly. If you wanted to say what McCown stuff is, like if there's a definition of what McCown stuff meant, it's called get, get broken. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's that's what he does better than any other quarterback in the league, except, ironically, Robert Griffin III. So there you go. Yeah. So before we get to the players you like this week, uh, because what we do seems like all day, every day, talk about the news. We'll hit on some news. Today we record on Wednesday for Thursday's podcast. Wednesday has been full of injuries. It's just been a nightmare for injuries. They obviously all happened over the weekend, but all of the bad news, it seems like, the worst possible news on every injury has has come out today. And I guess the most notable is the likely season-ending torn meniscus suffered by Adrian Peterson. So now the backfield in Minnesota is left to some combination of Jarek McKinnon and Matt Asiata. How do you see this situation shaking out? Yeah, this was pretty much worst-case scenario. We were seeing like two to three weeks maybe earlier in the morning then like the bombshell of three to four months came. So this is pretty big stuff. So, I mean... I guess I'm siding with you with Jarek McKinnon, and I think he he was your 1A for waivers, and then Asiata was 1B. I'm kind of with that thinking as well. I, I mean, McKinnon's a much bigger playmaker. He he can take off and have some big runs and take off with his job. I mean, Asiata's not going to do that. He's going to get three- and four-yard runs, maybe goal-line plunges. So I'm, I'm siding, with the, siding with the upside here with McKinnon. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I mean, it's just hard to shake the fact that we've seen this play before. Uh, in 2014, when Peterson was sidelined 
Asiata finished as the running back 17 with 10 total touchdowns and 44 receptions. Now, six of those touchdowns came in just two games, but he had three catches in 10 of 15 games. He scored nine-plus PPR points in nine of 15 games. McKinnon was a much bigger part of the offense before he got hurt, and then he ultimately only ended up playing in 11 games. But it's really hard to shake that out of my mind, and it's the reason why it is a 1A and 1B situation. McKinnon is certainly the home run swing, but it's not unfathomable that Asiata comes in here and scores more points. And I really think, and I'd like to get your take on this, it's almost a situation of what what do you need on your team? Do you need a bench stash, or do you need somebody that you're going to trust in the flex spot you know, right out of the gate? Yeah, if I'm looking to plug someone in right this moment, I think it'd be Asiata just because I'd want those touchdowns more with him, and I think he has a better chance to score touchdowns. Yeah, and maybe even be involved in the pass game, which I know is crazy for people to think, but we talked about on on the Tuesday show with, with Josh that pass protection's important, and they trust Asiata in that in that respect. So it's something to really keep in mind. Like you said, McKinnon's still probably the, the number one ad, but it's much closer than maybe people think. Another running back got injured over the weekend because that's apparently what running backs do now, and that was Amir Abdullah, who this one was really surprising, was placed on injured reserve with a foot injury that reportedly required surgery. I think we thought once he went to a specialist it was going to be a multi-week issue, but going on injured reserve, missing at least eight weeks, we'll see what happens. That was a little bit surprising. Now the Lions are left with Theo Riddick as probably the lead back, and then another guy, Dwayne Washington. So which one of these two guys are you most excited about uh, moving forward? Uh, definitely Dwayne Washington. I don't think Theo Riddick's a guy that's going to run between the tackles. I mean, he showed some promise week one against that awful Colts defense, but came back to earth last weekend against the Titans. Titans are pretty good against the run either way, but I'm still not seeing Riddick wa- running away with this job, and I really like Washington's upside. Big, fast, already has a role with that goal line back, and then I think he could, his role can only expand, you know. I mean, he's super young, super talented. I just think I think he's the ad for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. I In PPR leagues, it's Theo. But in standard leagues, I mean, you're looking for that touchdown. And it it's Washington. I I initially, in waiver, had him behind Cameron's artist pain because I, I was really shocked that this is such a big injury and he's missing so much time. Now that he's going to miss so much time, I think this easily Washington. He's just behind the two Minnesota guys. And like we said with McKinnon over Asiata, if you're just looking for a bench stash, I think that Washington might be a better bench stash than Matt Asiata. So I think that it's really close. And this guy is hyper athletic. He's six two. I think he's two twenty six. He ran a four 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 forty at the at his pro day. He had a thirty seven inch vertical. He's going to get the touchdowns. He fits the early down role a lot more than Theo Riddick. Maybe they just throw the ball around even more without Abdullah. But if this guy can be what they think on the early down, then then they don't even really have to do that. So I think I think there's a really reasonable chance he outscores Riddick in standard leagues and I'm I'm excited to grab him everywhere I don't want to disappoint you but I got him in our in our season-long uh, Roto World PPR league so yeah I got him in our Roto World Dynasty league so I was pretty happy with that last last week too and that was oh, that's huge week. those uh those waivers you know in the Dynasty league that that league's 14 teams 24 players deep so it's it's hard to find anyone worth anything on there so scoring Washington last week was huge for me yeah, I'm kind of excited to maybe get Dexter McCluster. If that tells you, if that tells you <laughs> how waivers work in that league. So, also on Wednesday, Chuck Pagano, Colts, uh, Colts coach Chuck Pagano, announced Dante Moncrief is going to be out four to six weeks with a fractured 
scapula, which Wikipedia tells me is the shoulder blade, which I don't know, I couldn't just call it the shoulder blade. We all know what that is. Uh, this, again, is a, is a bit longer than I expected him to be out. But either way, it looks like Philip Dorsett is now locked into a big role on a pass-heavy offense. How are you valuing him moving forward? Uh, I'm not particularly high on Dorsett. I just don't think he's going to catch a ton of balls. I think Hilton's going to get filtered way more targets. Dwayne Allen in the red zone. I'm just the, the needle hasn't moved much for me on Dorsett. I know he's a big play threat, so he could have huge week here and there, but I'm not expecting any consistency from, from him whatsoever. So I'm, I'm really not that high on Dorsett. I really like Dwayne Allen, though, especially for tight ends. Tight end one, I think he's locked in the rest of the season or the rest of the time uh, Moncrief is out. I think the Allen call is right, but we are we are going to disagree on Dorsett for sure. I mean, at some point, if the quarterback's throwing 40 to 45 times a game, then he has to throw to someone other than Hilton. I agree with you. Hilton, I might have Hilton ranked way too high this week. They do have a tough matchup against the Chargers, who just shut down the perimeter receivers of the Jaguars last week. They're really good at corner, especially with Casey Hayward in there now. So I might have him a little high this week. But they end up getting the Jaguars, the Bears, and the Titans three of the next four weeks after the Chargers. So Moncrief's going to miss all of those games, likely. And so I think we're looking at Dorsett pushing for wide receiver two value. And I think he's going to get 10 targets simply because you're right about Dwayne Allen getting more involved. You're right about T.Y. Hilton getting more involved. But Dorsett was already getting targets even before Moncrief went down. And now that Moncrief's not there, and that they're going to throw it 43 times a game— Someone has to get those targets. I'm just picturing this nightmarish Jack Doyle thing going on still. I mean, him and him. It's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I bet he could score like eight touchdowns this season, which would be like completely sad for Dwayne Allen owners. Don't speak that evil on me. (laughs) I just, I can't, I can't get over that. I'm, it's a thing. I mean, it's it's it's. We saw it last year too, and when he was a third tight end, like luck just loves him for some reason. I, I think you're right. Not about the eight touchdowns, but he's going to keep getting like 10% yeah, yeah, of yeah, the targets. Yeah. And that's really, really sad for me. The good news is that Allen played way more snaps. So I'm, I think you're right about Allen. It feels good about Allen, but, but we'll see what happens with Dorsett. And I mean, we need to move on, but it was a crazy day for injuries. We didn't even talk about Doug Martin because it seemed like we already kind of knew he was going to be out a couple weeks, but they announced that he's going to miss, I think, what, two to three weeks, which means Charles Sims is is now in the must-start category for sure. Is there anybody else I'm not thinking about that that annou- injury was announced today? Jonathan Stewart out two four weeks possibly. Uh, Arian Foster's out this week. I knew that was going to happen. Uh, man, there was I, I wrote all these blurbs on Wednesday too, and I can't even remember everything because I, I was just slammed on with Twitter news all day long. I mean, it was just a really crazy crazy day so go make sure you go to the roto world news page read up on all these injuries because all of them are definitely going to affect especially at running back definitely going to affect uh, what we do moving forward but with that carnage out of the way let's get on to some players that are actually going to play this week and in some cases perhaps play well frank gore has had a relatively slow start to the season he has just 141 total yards through two weeks but it seems like you think he's going to get it going this week against the chargers is that right yeah, I just think this might be the best spot he's in all season. The The Chargers are allowing almost five yards per carry, even though teams haven't been running on them very often. They've been throwing the ball to the running backs mostly, but they're, they're allowing five yards per carry, dead last in football outsiders, run defense DVOA. This, this total for this game is 52 points, second highest of the week. 
highest on the Sunday slate on FanDuel if you're here for that kind of stuff. And uh, the spread's only three points. I just think Gore is in a great spot to get 18 carries, maybe even though he's had 13, 14 first two weeks. So I think he's, this is definitely the best spot he's going to be in, at least definitely this month. What do you think? Yeah, and I think to, to your point, even if they don't run it more, he's getting 10% of the targets right now, which I don't know if something that we really expected him to do coming into the season. So there's certainly some upside here. Found the end zone through the air last week, which certainly helped. And uh, I hope you're right because it would be very good for my brand. If, yeah, uh, you were so high on Gore earlier this summer. It would be, be quite good for my hashtag brand if Frank Gore could explode for sure. Um, despite a win last week, uh, the Titans offense has not been great through two games. One of the bright spots, though, has been rookie Tajay Sharp, who has established himself as the clear, unquestioned number one receiver. I think he played every single snap last week, and the next closest guy was Richard Matthews with, like, 36. So Tajay Sharp is the number one receiver in Tennessee. That's the world we live in. And it sounds like you expect him to have a pretty good week this week. Yeah, the Raiders just haven't stopped any receivers so far through two games, allowing the most fantasy points to receivers, have allowed five touchdowns to receivers or 500 yards, most catches to receivers, dead last in pass defense, DVOA at Football Outsiders, Sean Smith just hasn't stopped anyone, and then David Amerson's in the concussion protocol, which I expect him to play, and so do the Raiders, but it's still this is still just a great spot. He's the only receiver on the Titans playing every down, so I love both pass, passing games in this game. The Raiders have given up 113 more passing yards than the next closest team through two weeks. So that's incredible. They've given up, what, 56 and a half more passing yards per game than the next worst team? Wow. It's really incredible. So if it's going to happen for Mar- Marcus Mariota and the passing game, you're right. This is the week. We'll, we'll see what happens. But if it's going to happen, this is certainly the week for it to happen. So let's move on, as I say every week, to, to my favorite part of this, the, the people that we hate, uh, <laughs> Ray the Hate. Um, so unless you're Mike Clay, one of the bigger fantasy disappointments of the year has been Jeremy Langford. Clay's very excited about this, but th- others are, are not as happy about what Langford's doing. He's dominated the running back work like we thought he was going to, but he has been absolutely terrible i think like clay thought he was going to too uh do you think he's going to turn it around this week against the cowboys no 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 (laughs) (laughs) he he is just (laughs) looks so bad against the texans and the and the and the eagles i mean he's lucked into two touchdowns just alshon jeffrey did all the work last week to get him that touchdown put him on the one yard line and then lankford vultured that touchdown but he was already losing snaps to kadeem carry in the first quarter before Kerry got hurt, pulled his hamstring, and then Jordan Howard played, I don't know how many snaps he played, but he got five touches. He didn't even play a snap in week one. So they're definitely, the Bears are definitely looking to get something going in this run game, and they're willing to try anyone. So I think Howard might be the guy to own coming up. I think he's definitely worth picking up in all season long leagues. And then beat writer Brad Biggs today said he hopes to see Howard get 12 plus carries against the Cowboys. Not that it's going to happen, but the Bears need to find something to get this run game going, and I'm, I don't think it's Langford this week. You know, sometimes football is easy. Uh, Langford's not very good. Uh, this offense is not very good, and uh, it really is that simple sometimes. And like you said, I think, I think Howard's taking over a large chunk of this workload sooner rather than later, much sooner than later. Yeah, let's hope for fantasy football season-long-wise. <laughs> so finally, it looks like 
Sammy Watkins is going to be able to play through his foot injury and has a new offensive coordinator who all indications are he was he was promoted essentially to get the ball in Watkins' hands uh, early and often. So are you interested in him this week? Not really. I mean, I don't hate Watkins too much, but I, I just think there are better options if you have them, especially in like 12-team leagues, 10-team leagues, that you should have better options. He gets, he's probably going to be shadowed by Patrick Peterson, who locked on Mike Evans last week for, for the most part. I know Evans ran against the other the other cornerbacks on Arizona too, but Peterson has been pro football focused. His number six cover corner through two weeks. Just He was elite last year. I know he had a, a down 2014, but he's been so good the past two seasons. I'm just not looking to play a guy that's kind of hurt, might be hurt. I don't know if he's hurt or not against him. So I'm just kind of avoiding Watkins if I have better options like Tyrell Williams, maybe against the Colts, guys like that. And I think to your point, if I'm of the opinion Watkins keeps his upside when he's playing, so he has enough upside to start most weeks, but there's no reason for Peterson not to shadow him this week. I mean, yeah, are, totally. What is, is he going to is he going to defend Robert Woods? Yeah, there's no point wasting him on Robert Woods and Marquise Goodwin and Greg Salas. Those guys can run against Brandon Williams and Marcus Cooper all day. Exactly. There's just there's no point to it. I think he'll be shadowed, and I think that if that happens, this could. This could turn into a, an even bigger disaster for the Bills than, than this season has already been. So excellent stuff as always, Nick. Um, his column is a must-read every week. It's available on rotoworld.com. Should be up when you're listening to this podcast. You can also find Nick on Twitter, at Nick Mindier, or you can find him every Thursday on this very podcast. Thanks so much for coming on, Nick, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Awesome, Ray. Sounds good. And we're back with Rich Rebar. You can find him on Twitter at Lord Reeves. You can find his must-read weekly column, The Worksheet, every Wednesday on rotoworld.com. And you can find him every single week on this episode of the Rotoworld Football Podcast. As always, thanks for coming on, Rich. How's it going? You know, it's going good. I hope everyone survived the, the carnage of last week. You know, uh, I didn't really have many people get injured, but, you know, I did have maximum exposure to A.J. Green, who somehow had two catches for 38 yards in a game where Andy Dalton threw a career-high 54 passes. Yeah, it was it was a terrible week. I have a dynasty league, not even a dynasty league, a, a developmental league, where we lost three starters last week. And if in that kind of league... There's there's nothing on the wire. It's yep. it's a disaster. It's just been an absolute disaster of a week. But you know that's how it goes sometimes at fantasy football. Yeah, absolutely. This was the first two weeks of the season are a good reminder to everyone that tries to leave their draft with a perfect roster. You know, uh, it, you know it, it doesn't happen in fantasy football. So hopefully you you were able to accrue some depth when you were drafting, and you know are still able to survive the bullets you know that fell. And you could read Waiver Wired on rotoworld.com every single week, <laughs> written by a man by the name of Raymond Sutherland. All right, let's, with that shameless plug out of the way, uh, let's get started. Uh, so, your worksheet column goes over every single player, every single fantasy relevant player from every single game, gives interesting data points about everyone. And uh, one of the interesting guys this week is Melvin Gordon, Danny Woodhead, one of the aforementioned injured guys who is out for the season. So it looks like Melvin Gordon is locked in as the clear lead back. He has a great matchup this week for the Colts. 
What kind of upside are we talking about for Gordon this week? You know, after failing to score on 217 touches last season, Gordon has already raced to the paint three times on his 41 touches through two games. You look at the Chargers, they've trailed for just 4.6% of their offensive plays. It's the fewest in the league. This week they play the Colts, who have trailed for 83% of their offensive plays. That's 27th. Uh, Through two weeks, the Colts have allowed three top 10 scoring running backs. Uh, There's only been two games. And they've allowed 47 yards per drive to opponents. Uh, which is the second highest total next to Oakland. You know, with Danny Woodhead now shelved, I mean, Melvin Gordon should definitely roll into at least 20 touches in this one against a defense that's also allowing 5.5 yards per carry off of either tackle or edge. So, I mean, you know, wheels up on Melvin Gordon, uh, probably jumping into probably a top 10 play this week, you know, if not higher. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think he's a locked in running back one this week. I, I don't have my ranks finalized, but he's certainly going to be in the top 10. And I mean, you could make arguments about him being a five, top six, something like that. This this matchup is great, and the touches are definitely going to be there this week. So last week, we also saw the reemergence of Devontae Parker back from the dead, back from his foot-slash-hamstring-slash-whole-body injury. And that would normally, that would seem like it would be bad news for a volume-dependent player like Jarvis Landry. But there was a really interesting stat you had in your article that that's not really the case, is it? No, absolutely not. I mean, we all know Landry is a target monster on his own. He's seen 10 or more targets now in 13 games since the start of last season and in six straight games, but he's also wildly more productive playing alongside Devontae Parker, like you alluded to. Over the past seven games he's played alongside of Parker, Landry averages 8.1 receptions for 92 yards and 18 fantasy points per game, uh, as opposed to just six and a half receptions for 65 yards, kind of that, you know, volume dependent low uh, low uh safe floor you know not high ceiling guy but he has had that high ceiling playing alongside Devontae Parker which people don't realize and the Dolphins have the seventh highest passing rate so far in the league and you look at Jarvis Landry this week he's going against the Browns team uh where he'll primarily be running routes against Tremont Williams in the slot the Dolphins are a base three wide receiver set team they really can't run the ball the Browns actually have been okay against the run so far better than I think most of us thought they would be at least heading into the year uh so I think the Dolphins are still going to pass to get ahead in this game and it's going to be Jarvis Landry, you know, reaping the rewards as always. Yeah, it's a really surprising stat. I mean, if you look at the end of last year when Parker really started to explode, he actually outscored Landry in standard formats despite seeing like mm-hmm. something like 20 fewer targets over six games. And we actually saw Landry's involvement in the red zone kind of dip a bit at the end of last year. Part of that's just because the offense was bad, but also with Parker was getting involved. So that was a really interesting stat. It was one that that certainly goes against what I what I thought in my head, just the you know the basic common sense ideas. I guess it wasn't sense, I guess, at that point. But those ideas. So that's a great stat, interesting stat, and I'd be interested to see how it plays out. Another kind of, you mentioned the fact that the Browns' defense, the run defense, has been better than we thought. New York's defense, I know that they spent a lot of money, but their defense has been legitimately good through two weeks. But they're still very weak at linebacker. They probably should have given up a big game to Kobe Fleener last week if it wasn't for Fleener's patented brand of ineptitude. They gave up a <laughs> decent game to Jason Witten. So is Jordan Reed going to continue that trend this week? Is he going to eat, up, eat it up against the Giants? 
Yeah, I think that's what you're looking at, Zach. You said what their refurbished defense where they got better guarding the boundaries, which we've already seen, and stopping the run, which we've already seen. But the way to attack this Giants defense is still attacking those linebackers and pass coverage. Uh, we already knew that, that they were one of the worst defenses, you know, defending the tight end position a year ago. They've already seen 23 targets this year, which is tied for the league lead. Like you said, if Kobe Fleener wasn't Kobe Fleener, uh, he could have had big game. Uh, Jason Witten had a nine reception game against them week one, but because Jason Witten, you know, runs like a dad, he couldn't turn it a huge game uh you know but reed is just one of four tight ends so far to have five or more catches in each game this season he was the tight end six and the tight end five against new york last season without even scoring a touchdown you know he caught 14 passes in those two games for 198 yards you look at Kirk cousins i mean he's third in the nfl in passing yards they've been hollow uh because you haven't gotten touchdowns but you know washington's last in the league in run rate in the nfl something that's not probably going to get going against this defensive front that you know is brand new uh meaning reed should see a bunch of targets and a bunch of yards you know regardless uh whether he finds the end zone or not this week yeah and I mean I think that maybe there's a little bit of panic about Reed he hasn't really had the big game he hasn't found the found the end zone yet but he has 18 targets through three weeks and three red zone looks I mean it's just there's no reason at all to worry as long as Jordan Reed's healthy and he's in a great spot this week it's it's going to be great for him and perhaps we'll see him a little lower owned in daily fantasy than then maybe he should be based on based on this matchup. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. And I mean, most of the disappointment is just in relation to cost. Of, you know, we Jordan, uh, Jordan Reed was free last year. So you were house money all season. This year you paid a third, fourth turn for him. So, you know, you, you kind of wanted a little more. But like I said, I alluded to, he's still one of the tight ends that have been productive both weeks, which is a position that has a lot of volatility week to week. And in the same game, we're going to get to see standout rookie Sterling Shepard who has caught all but one of his 12 targets. It's just amazing for a rookie. 160 yards and a touchdown to open his career. Do you think he's going to keep it going this week? I absolutely do. I mean, with the Giants, though, being like the Dolphins, a base three wide receiver set team uh, that also isn't kind of very good at running the football. And, you know, Rashad Jennings has been in a cast all week. Uh, there, there's plenty of opportunity uh, this week as he draws a sound matchup against Washington. Like you said, he, Shepard has 11 receptions from the slot already. That's tied for second in the NFL. That's important as it pertains to this week because Odell Beckham and Victor Cruz will be tied up outside with Josh Norman and Bashad Breeland, who's kind of doing a fine 2015 Byron Maxwell impersonation at the moment uh, but you know while while Shepard you know draws to Sean Phillips in the slot you know you look at the first week Eli Rogers had six for 59 and a touchdown in the slot Cole Beasley had five for 75 last weekend I mean you said Shepard's already begun his career with PPR wide receiver 35 and wide receiver 12 scoring weeks and week three presents a strong opportunity for targets to naturally be funneled through him uh, not only by the offense but also by the matchup are you worried at all about Victor Cruz who's actually seen shockingly from my perspective the same number of targets as Shepard uh, this year is is that something that maybe not even this week but moving forward worries you about it or do you think there'll be enough targets to kind of go around well I think I think as it pertains to ceilings it will be an issue where maybe one of those guys kind of gets over and one doesn't because we know Otto Beckham's going to start scoring touchdowns eventually too as well um, I think as it look, goes away this week I mean I think when you look at Breland I think Breland's a good player I think that he's not in the caliber of guys that can defend Antonio Brown and Des Bryant which is what Washington asked him to do but what, what, guarding a guy like Victor Cruz I think is maybe more in you know on his highway uh, you know in the speed limit so I mean I I think that as it pertains to the rest of the season, I think there will be weeks where Cruz and Shepard kind of cannibalize each other. But I mean, I think this week is a week where it sets up well for Shepard to get over. Good stuff as always from Rich. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Lord Reeves. You can find his work at rotorworld.com. You can also find Nick Minzio's work at Rotorworld and follow him at Nick Minzio. You can also 
Follow me on Twitter while you're at it, at RMSummerlin. And remember to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you find it. It helps other people find the show, and we really appreciate it. And until next week, uh, have a good week.